Welcome to Word Processing, a resource of Oak Ridge Bible Chapel. Listen in as we discuss issues of God, His Word, and His people. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Word Processing. My name is Andrew, I'm one of the pastors at Oak Ridge Bible Chapel, and today I'm joined as usual with Josiah. Good to see you. Good to see you too. Josiah, we are not going to talk about this past Sunday's sermon, but instead we're going to switch it up and go a little topical today. One of the things that we can basically always count on in the church, as you've reminded me recently, is that people will always be suffering. There's always going to be someone in the church that is grieving a loss. There's going to be someone who has been diagnosed recently with a a life-changing disease. There's going to be someone who is struggling for years with pain or, or chronic infection or chronic illness. There is always going to be stress and work issues and basically the realities of living in a sin-stained world. Mm-hmm. And as pastors, you and I often get a little bit of a glimpse into those realities. We're invited to share sometimes in the lives of people who are suffering, but that is also the call of the church member as well. And I know that you've been doing this for a long time, visiting people who are struggling, caring for people who are suffering. And today I thought it would be really interesting for me and then for our congregation as a whole as well to to glean a little bit from your insight in the years that you've been doing pastoral care and, and caring for people, not just as a pastor, but as a, a church member as well. So I have some questions today really designed to just ask that question of how do we care well for people in our congregation that are struggling, that are suffering, whether with pain or sin or illness or any of the things we've talked about and any of the things I've missed. So I'm wondering if we can start simply by going to God's word and what does scripture have to say or how does scripture inform us about caring for people who are suffering? It's an important and perennial topic first. Like you said, people always suffer. My old pastor used to tell us, always preach to the suffering because you'll never lack an audience. Hmm. Everyone suffers. And so And it's just as important, you know, for sure, pastoral ministry, you get behind the scenes, perhaps are invited into those hardships more readily than other members of the body. But we, you and I would agree that a church family functions best when her members care for one another, not just the pastoral staff members or the elders, but the whole body is mobilized to care for the hurting, to care for the grieving. And sometimes that can be very intimidating. You don't know what to say. And you think, I'm not prepared to enter into those difficult times. And hopefully this conversation will demystify it a little bit. Because as you'll learn, uh, and as I think you already know, there's not a whole lot of speciality really that comes to caring for hurting people. Perhaps a good exercise would just just to think of the last time you suffered or think of a time that perhaps you might suffer in the future and think, what would you need? And maybe that's an unhelpful hypothetical, but what what would you need? You wouldn't need a specialist necessarily coming in. Some of the things I'll suggest today are probably the things you would list. You know, I just need someone there for the most part, right? It doesn't seem like an unhelpful hypothetical to me. Like that's, it's kind of mind blowing that I've never thought that way Mm. in some ways of what has meant the most to me or what have I needed when I've been suffering and how simple that is. And like we'll talk about, what are some things that were done to and for me or said to me during that time where that were unhelpful sure. and maybe put those away and like use those as cautionary tales for yourself as you go forward into other people's hurt as well. So yeah. you asked me to go to the word. And so I'll go to a few few texts just to illustrate for us two main truths. First, 
that we care for suffering people is an expected response in scripture. It's expected and it is an expected response, especially within the household of God. That's where Mm -hmm. I want to go. So just as an expected response, a few texts, Galatians 6 verse 2, bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. We are to bear one another's burdens. That obviously includes grief and frustration and all the things that you mentioned. Philippians 2 verse 4, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. So keeping our antenna up and aware of other people hurting. It's interesting, and you've experienced this as well. Some people are, they keep their hurts pretty close to the vest, right? But to keep your antenna up for hurting people, and this assumes that you know the body of Christ, that you know people enough to know when something is bothering them so that you can enter into that hurt and and carry their burden with them and thereby fulfill the love of Christ. James 1.27, pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress. In that day and age, those were two of the most vulnerable people groups that there were, orphans and widows. And this is pure undefiled religion in the sight of God that we go in their distress and minister to them. That's pretty explicit. And then just one more, 1 John 3, 17 and 18. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. So we have something that could bless someone in need, including times of grief. It is incumbent upon us to meet that need. So again, there's so many texts, and maybe you have some other ones that come to mind, but clearly this should be a natural response to the people of God who have received from God in our time of greatest need, separation from God because of our sin. We have received so much care in our greatest need. As an extension of that, as we realize it more and more and live in light of it, should be just a natural outpouring of that grace going horizontally as well. Yeah, I like that. You've pointed out clearly, this is assumed. This is a implication. If you are a believer, you ought to be doing this. And it's just kind of assumed that you are. I do have a couple passages written down too, but I'm thinking that they might fit in more to your next category. So I'll see what you have there first. I would also say this is helpful to think of the church and the metaphor the New Testament gives us, the body. When one member of the body hurts, it is advantageous for the other members to rally around that hurting member so yeah. that the body functions properly. Yeah. And again, this is assuming biblical body life. And I don't want to assume too much, but that's what we want. We want all the members of the body functioning and firing on all cylinders. And if we can help other members to do that, uh, we need to do that. So as I said, it's assumed that we go to hurting people. Sure. Uh, That is the expected response. But then I want to turn this around. So there's lots of needs in the world and we all walk in different circles of life that God has Mm -hmm. given us to different circles of influence. But the Bible doesn't want us to neglect the household of faith because of all the other needs around us. And so in Galatians 6 verse 10, Paul writes, So then while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So it's not to the exclusion of other people that are hurting and grieving and suffering, but primarily as members of the body, we focus most of our attention on the people in the household of faith. Hmm. Yeah, and my mind goes as well to passages like John chapter 13 where Jesus reminds his disciples in verse 34 and 35, I'm giving you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And then 35 is the big hitter here. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for 
one another. Now, obviously, that love can go in a lot of different directions, but here it's a specific call to, this is how people will know you're my disciples if you love other followers well and are able to spend time and and focus that love and attention on them Mm -hmm. as well. I think of Romans 12, rejoice with those who rejoice, grieve with those who grieve. Mm -hmm. And then another one that I don't know if it fully fits into this topic, I guess, as much, but uh, James chapter 5, verse 16 uh, James is talking about bringing your issues before the elders so people can pray for you. But then he says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. A prayer of a righteous person, when it's brought about, can accomplish much. So obviously talking about things other than just grief and loss, but he specifically mentions healing in there. We're confessing our sins, but bringing our requests before one another and praying together for that healing, which I think, again, points to this concern of this issue of bringing our problems to other people within the church and praying with them and asking them to pray for us mm-hmm. uh, for that healing. There is a, a selflessness that comes with Christian maturity. And that makes sense. As we grow to be more like Christ, we become more like he who is ultimately selfless and gave his life a ransom for many. And so as we grow in the faith, we become more attuned to the needs of the people around us. Now, just a plea to those who are suffering it's also good to make those needs known so that the body can come around you and bless you and pray for you. Our culture has trained us to keep things close and to not show our whole hand and to maybe even belittle certain sufferings that we're enduring because while it's not as bad as so-and-so that came down the prayer chain, so I don't want to... Yeah, but again, that is to misunderstand the role of the body, I think. Uh, this, This idea of the idolatry of privacy sometimes, not always, but sometimes can kind of sneak in, allow the body to do what the body's supposed to do and come mm-hmm. around you and hopefully and help, hopefully, helpfully uh, serve you in that way. Yeah. To go back to that body analogy, like if you hurt your pinky toe, it might not seem like the most useful of body parts of the, the biggest deal. It's not as big a deal if you break your toe or stub your toe versus, you know, your heart failing. Mm-hmm. But it still hurts and you still want to deal with it. And if it's actually broken, you still want to get the help that you need. Now, Josiah, is there anything in particular that you do when you know that you're going into a a meeting or a phone call, you know someone is suffering and you are preparing to call them or maybe they're coming in to sit and meet with you. You're going over to visit. Is there anything that you do in preparation uh, for that kind of a meeting? I can think of four things and none of them are earth shattering. Sure. None of them will surprise you or anyone listening. But to it's this. always nice to be affirmed though. And to, sure. to, if we're able, listener, if you're able to track along with these four and be sure. like, yeah, I would have guessed those you're in a good position. <laughs> First, I'm going to ask the Lord for his wisdom. Sure. James one verse five says, if we lack it, we can ask for it. He'll give it to us. I need wisdom when I go into those circumstances. And this is going to range depending on how well, you know, the person suffering, how well, you know, of their ailment, everything like that. But I need the Lord's wisdom. I need his compassion, his power, his sensitivity. If I go in there guns blazing just on my own wits and wisdom, that is a recipe for increased hurt and disenfranchisement and dis, um, just discouragement, really. I want, Lord, give me the mind of Christ. Give me your wisdom as I approach this. And I pray for them as well. You know, give them a soft heart to receive your ministry through me. So I just need the Lord's blessing over the entire interaction, however long it goes. And as we'll get to later on in this conversation, it should probably be quite short, depending on the amount of suffering. So that's the first thing. I pray for God's wisdom. Second, I think of promises in scripture that I might remind this brother or sister of. 
that they are privy to because they are in Christ. Now, this is assuming it's a brother or sister in Christ, but, and I'm not necessarily going to use them, but I want them in my quiver. I want them ready to go. Promises that I can remind them of that will encourage them. And this is where God's wisdom comes in. I need to know whether to pull them out, whether to remind them of them or not, but I want them at least on the tip of my tongue. You're ready. Yeah, and I'm going to pray that the Lord brings other ones to mind at the time too, if need be. But I want to go in as prepared and thoughtful as I possibly can. That means thinking about their particular circumstances, their suffering, what would be most encouraging for them to hear? Do they need to be encouraged of the resurrection? Do they need to be encouraged about God's presence? Do they need to be encouraged of God's help, his power? Whatever the case may be. And so I want to remind myself of those things. So that's the second one. Third, I want to prepare myself to be brief. (laughs) I want to prepare myself to be brief. I'm not going there for a long meal or anything like that. I want to be brief. And this is obviously dependent on the person and their suffering as well. And I want to prepare myself to, if at all possible, to pray with and for them. So I'm just going to determine beforehand, I want to find a way to pray over them. Again, it could be very quick. I'm going to resolve to be not Mm long-winded in my interaction with them. They're suffering. They don't need another thing on their agenda, but I do want to minister to them. So those are things I prepare myself for. Uh, You know me well enough to know that I can be long-winded. You know, case in point, like this this conversation, this answer to the question, I need to prepare myself and ask the Lord to tether my tongue. Fourth and finally, I want to think and pray, is there something that I can bring to this person, something physical that I can bring to them or offer them if they need it. That might be a meal. That might be, who knows, just bringing a coffee to them when they're hurting. I don't know. It depends on the person again, but those are the four things I want to, is there something I can bring with me that would bless them even just a little bit? So that's kind of how I prepare. But again, depending on the person, depending on the circumstances, it is so varied. And depending on your background with that individual, with that family, it changes as well. But those are just some quick things that I would do, generally speaking. What I like about that list is it's it's simple and it's still showing intentionality. It's still just a moment of saying they're worth not only my time to go and have this conversation, but they're worth the forethought and they're worth me actually putting my mind and my heart into this and, and taking time before the Lord for them, of course, which was, I think, yeah, that was the given in there. But I, I really like that idea of th- thinking about the fact that you know that you want to pray with them and you know that you want to have things on the tip of your tongue or that that well to draw from, so to speak. And just really, that is another layer of care in in thinking and having that forethought. And sometimes you don't have time. You know, sometimes the call just comes and it's not, you don't have a whole lot of forethought or, or time to plan. And so you need to, first off, just make sure that your walk with the Lord is secure enough that you can respond. And yeah. But secondly, if I had to pick between those four, it's the first one. And it can be very quick. Lord, give me wisdom here. And it's just very, very quick. I remember getting a call when I was pastoring in another church. Of This was a family where the mom, a young family, the mom had been battling cancer. And then they had just found out their 11-year-old son was diagnosed with cancer. And they called me. And on my drive over, and I was living in a small city at the time, so the drive wasn't long. So it was a short drive. What am I doing? Like I'm not bringing them anything. I'm not. All I'm doing is I'm sending a quick prayer up to the Lord. Lord, give me wisdom. I do not know what I'm going to say here. I do not know what I can possibly do to help. Lord, you're going to have to give me wisdom. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And sometimes that's the only thing we can do, depending on how much time we have to prepare. But if we are taking the initiative to go and see someone, maybe some of the other ones will help. Well, and I think 
that just shows the importance of praying that prayer regularly in our life because we never know when something like that's going to come up. Asking for wisdom all the time from the Lord is so important. Now, speaking of that wisdom specifically, and you alluded to this a moment ago, but how do you know, and I know there's no necessarily maybe quick, easy answer to this, but how do you know when to speak and when to just listen? You know, you have those promises in the back of your mind. How do you kind of, in that moment, besides obviously the Lord's wisdom, feel out whether it's helpful to actually say something or helpful to just be quiet and listen? I think it's helpful to know your own personality and bent and which way you would probably err if left to yourself. So if I know myself to know that I probably would err on the side of talking too much if left to myself, then I want to prepare myself and ask the Lord specifically to tether my tongue. Or maybe you're someone who I know I would err on not saying things when I should. You want to ask the Lord, Lord, loosen my tongue. But again, you're right. It does come down to wisdom, right? It comes down to wisdom. If I'm going to err, and this is just a suggestion, I'm going to resolve myself to this. If I'm going to err at all in this conversation, let's face it, I probably will. I'm going to say something silly or not say enough. It's so hard in those dynamic situations to leave being like, I nailed that. Well, because there you is know? no perfect no. way, right? That's right. So it's a, it's a matter of preparing your heart to minister to this person. That's what it has to be about. But if I'm going to err, I'm going to resolve myself to err on the side of listening too much, mm-hmm. to not talking. If I'm going to err, I would rather leave that interaction saying, I probably should have said more then leaves thinking, I said way too much. Mm-hmm. You know, So I want to err on the side of listening too much. I'm not there to preach. I'm not there to relieve their suffering. I can't do that. Only God can. As much as I ache to do so, I don't want to trick myself, fool myself, lie to myself into thinking that I can actually do something that will alleviate their suffering. Mm-hmm. That's up to the Lord. And so again, I want to take myself out of the equation in that sense and err on the side of listening more. How do I know when to talk and to be quiet? You can sometimes wait for non-rhetorical questions. So sometimes there are just rhetorical questions. Why would God do this? That doesn't necessarily need an answer. Mm -hmm. And they're not looking for a theological treatise. Well, you know, in Job, if you turn there now in your Bible, I can show you. No, 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 no. Be quiet. That's not the Mm -hmm. time. But sometimes, and I've experienced this, and maybe you have as well, and some of our listeners will have, there are genuine questions why do you think God would allow this again to come into our life? Then that's where those promises come in. That preparation can sometimes come in and say, well, and just be honest, I I don't know, but I have thought about this and maybe this will help just mm-hmm. with humility and put it before them. I don't know if you have anything to add to that. No, I really like that. I've The whole idea of waiting for a a non-rhetorical question is something I've definitely noticed, but not probably wouldn't have been able to put my finger on or my like note that before now. But that totally is a you know something we can all feel out in those conversations. There's clearly questions that people are just wrestling with, and that's between them and the Lord. And then there's other things where they are asking, "Hey, you like you're here? Give me advice. Give me what? Where does your mind go? What do you think about all this? How can you? How would you wrestle with this?" If you're in it. Yeah. And even in your answers, I would say be brief Brief, and even ask them questions back, not to turn it around on them. Be like, I've experienced this. Have you ever experienced something like blank? Yeah, I think you have. I remember I was with you and we did that before. And Mm -hmm. you're kind of pointing them to things they already know. This is a brother or sister in Christ. You're pointing them back to the rock. You're pointing them back to the stability that they know they have just at the moment they can't see because of the fog. And so whatever you can do to point them back, it's not a time to teach. It's a time to remind Mm -hmm. and to comfort. And so, and I want to do that with as little words as possible. Yeah, I like that. 
Well, speaking of specific words, then just uh, thinking about the experiences that you've had in your role or visiting people, caring for people over the last several years, what are some things that you've found more often than not are helpful to say? And I guess you've kind of alluded to Mm -hmm. this with this promises of God, but what are some specifics here? So three quick statements, and I apologize for the crassness of them in advance, but I would say show up, shut up and look up. Okay. So show up. The ministry of presence is so powerful just to communicate. I care enough to give you some time is a powerful thing. And anyone who has suffered knows that that's true. I'm not looking for a sermon. I just want someone sitting there with me at times. Just be there. So show up. The ministry of presence is very powerful. And I would say require as little from that person as possible. So maybe you just send someone a text message. It's wonderful. Don't have a question mark in that text message Mm -hmm. because that's requiring a response. You have now put a burden on that suffering person to now do something else like respond to you. Instead, have a period. Just say, I'm praying for you. Please let me know if you need anything. Don't say, is there anything specific I can pray for? See the difference there. Is there anything I can bring you? All of a sudden, now they could ignore it and that's fine. But there is that potential of adding a burden. So just show up in those ways and just be there with periods and not question marks. Yeah, I find that one really helpful because that is something that I think I really struggle with, especially when, you know, something public has happened. You know, someone's passed away. I sometimes wrestle with the idea of like, I don't want to add another burden to this person. They've probably got 50 phone Mm -hmm. calls by now. Do I really want to add to the noise right now? Or do I, you know, wait for a few days? But I like that of like, I'm not requiring anything, but I want you to know just in case 50 other people haven't called or it's because in case what I have to say is important that I am praying for you mm-hmm. in this. And I'm not saying never ask a question, but once you're into the care, you read out the situation, this is where the Lord's wisdom comes in again. Say, is there something more specific I can bring you? I really want mm-hmm. that. But just be cautious. As the conversation is progressing, on, yeah. not out of, out of the blue. Kind so of that's thing. what I mean by showing up. Another thing to keep in mind when you show up is the power of touch. Not only the power of presence, but the power of touch. A hug, you know, a hand on the shoulder, those kinds of things can be very powerful as well especially when people have lost loved ones, lost a spouse, for example, sometimes that is more powerful than we can even know. To do it appropriately, but to do it genuinely and Mm -hmm. sincerely is something to keep in mind. So show up is a big thing. I forget the percentage that my old pastor used to put on it, but he used to say something like 90% of ministry is just showing up. up. Just be there, the ministry of presence. That communicates so loudly. The second one is to shut up, and we've talked about this already. Just listen, cry with them. Whatever the case may be, you don't need to educate them on how they should suffer well all the time unless they're really requesting help in that Mm -hmm. way. Just show up and be there quietly and cry with them is so, so powerful. You don't need to educate them on how to suffer well. That is, yeah, that is so important. And the last one is to look up and to continually point them to uh, the promises of God, point to prayer, point to power, Um, never apologize for God, sometimes it can seem like it's a very sympathetic to, thing to do to enter into their doubt. Like, oh, I don't know why he would do this either. And I kind of be confused with them. That seems very empathetic. Don't do that. We are standing there as I think of uh, Moses' helpers holding his hands up, you know, in, in the wilderness at wartime. So, sometimes we're there as brothers and sisters in Christ to go and hold them up in that moment, to give them a reminder of the rock of God's promises. I don't need to enter into the uncertainty with them. Even if I have that uncertainty Mm -hmm. as well, that's not the time to commiserate in that way, I don't think. Yeah, kind of like the idea that if someone is on shaky footing or questioning things, it's not actually 
as helpful to join them on that shaky thing as it is to offer a hand on something that's stable. That's right. You can understand it. You can say, I understand what you're saying, but we need to remember blank or remember God is faithful, those types of things. We are aiding someone in a way we hope that they will one day aid us. Hmm. So as I enter into someone's suffering, I realize that one day I too will suffer. Mm-hmm. And again, how would I want people to come around me? I don't want them to jump into the water and pretend to drown with me. I want them to throw me a life ring. Yeah. And so to look up, to pray with them, to point them to the promises of God, those stabilizing things. So those are just some quick pithy ways of saying to show up, to shut up, and to, to look up are mm-hmm. kind of good rules of thumb for me anyway. Yeah. Now on the flip side, Josiah, obviously we've all, I'm sure, either experienced or heard of horror stories, or that's maybe over-dramatizing it, but moments where someone has said something that is really not helpful, and obviously there's no be-all and end-all here of what is and what isn't helpful, because as you pointed out, certain things might be helpful for some people and less so for others. Are there things, though, that in general you have found helpful to avoid or would recommend that people avoid saying or doing? Or that I have said and Or regret. that you have said and you're like, don't, you know, learn <laughs> yeah. from my mistakes here. Yeah. There's so much. And again, this is contingent upon how well you know them. You might have, the, because of your relationship with the suffering person, you might have the privilege of saying things that other people shouldn't. So again, I don't want to be too dogmatic with these things. But generally speaking, there are some things you should probably avoid saying. And oftentimes they're said in awkward moments to fill the awkward silence, right? Because we don't know what else to say. So if we go and committed to not saying much and just being there, sometimes that alleviates yeah. a lot of these. Be okay with the awkward silence. Yeah. So just some general things. You know, Don't necessarily say things like, you know, God's teaching you something through this. Or even worse, God's punishing you probably for something Ooh. in your life, some sin in your life. And I've been around those comments. Anytime we enter into God's mind and speak on behalf of God, things he hasn't said in scripture explicitly, we should be nervous right away. But in that moment, even if it was true that there is sin and God might be chastising like he does a loving father to his children, even that's true, that's probably not the time to point it out when the grief is fresh, right? So just be careful speaking on behalf of God in those ways or pronouncing a lesson that God is trying to teach them. Hmm. We don't have the mind of God. Let's just be very cautious in that way. When you're dealing with people who have lost a loved one and the loved one is a believer, to make statements, even though it's true, like she's better off, you know, in the presence of God. We believe, praise the Lord that that is true, that they are in bliss with the Savior. Again, that doesn't help this grieving person. At that moment, our ministry is that person grieving. Person You're right. The loved one is in bliss, but the person here is grieving. That doesn't help them in that moment necessarily. So I just stay away from things like that. One of the ones that I see the most often that, and I probably participated in the most often, unfortunately, but also is like nails on a chalkboard now as I think about it, is trying to commiserate in an unhelpful way. I totally know what you're going through. Mm. A cousin of mine once went through something like this. Oh, back when I dealt with something like this, you know, kind of almost this one-upmanship or, and I know the heart is trying to join them in the suffering. Showing that you can empathize, but. Yeah, I just, I don't think that's always helpful. Just let them suffer. Mm -hmm. You don't need to enter into that commiseration and identify with their suffering with a story of your own necessarily. Sometimes it can be helpful. I'm not saying never, but I'm just saying generally speaking. Yeah, going back to what you said before about like if they ask that question specifically, like have you ever dealt with anything like this? That's a completely different story than just feeling, oh, you said something and I don't know how to respond to it because I'm uncomfortable dealing with death and grief or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. So now I'm going to put in my own story of, yeah. of what I've learned. It but. can be patronizing. Yeah. Is what it can be. Yeah. Yeah. 
there's so many, you know, just things like, well, at least you have, you know, well, you have three other children. Goodness. Like, well, you still have your health, you know, even though this is happening or, well, at least, you know, don't, don't try to buffer the pain they're going through with other blessings that they have received. Again, that's just not the time, even though that might be true. Again, some of the blessings they've received may be true. And in time, by God's grace, they may come to celebrate what the Lord has given them in spite of what he's allowed to be taken for a time. But just be very cautious with saying some of those things. And then there's just those little platitudes. Like God is in control. God doesn't give us more than we can handle. All things work together for good. You know, those things, well, true, don't help at that moment. Mm -hmm. And they come across very trite and overly simplistic at times. The last thing I would say is not to, in the desire to alleviate some of the pain, to say things like death is just a natural part of life. First, as believers, we would say that's not true. Death is not a natural part of life. Mm. The separation of body from soul, from spirit is not natural. And we can't wait till it never happens again. Mm -hmm. And so we don't want to use worldisms, you know, sayings in the world to bring about comfort for God's people. So again, those are very unorganized and all scattered, but I think you get an idea of, of the things we should probably try to avoid saying. Again, just be there with them, cry with them, comfort them, remind them of God's promises and... Ministry of Presence. It's a big one. Yeah, that last one I think is super huge. Like not erring on the side of like turning to worldly colloquialisms mm-hmm. either of, you know, having gained another angel or like yeah. things where we're trying, we're actually preaching a theology we don't believe in yeah. in those moments. Like be really just cautious. But it sounds to me like most of the the negatives can just be avoided by doing what you said before. Show up and shut yeah. up and point yeah. up. Yeah, I th- Like I think the goal of a conversation like this is that we can leave this with kind of the permission almost of someone who does this regularly, that you don't have to have the perfect thing to say mm-hmm. that you don't, you, while you want those promises on your tongue, you also don't feel like it's your job to solve the problem or to take away the pain or to do anything other than to, to be there to care for them. Yeah. The danger of, you know, ending our conversation talking about some of the mistakes is that, we leave a taste in our mouths that I don't want to make those mistakes, so I won't go. First, I would say, God uses our silliness all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. Yeah, we don't want to let the fear of potentially making a mistake stop us from doing what should be our heart's desire to care for other members yes, of the body. Definitely. And circle back to just the simplicity of praying for them, showing up, meeting needs that you can and backing away and then checking in on them again and again. Mm-hmm. It really isn't rocket science, but it is one of the most beautiful realities of body life. One of the most powerful ministries that we could have. And we think about, well, who's going to preach? Who's going to you know, lead pastoral prayer? Who's leading the church? This is real ministry right mm-hmm. here. This yeah. is rubber meets the road, real ministry. When we go into the hurting lives and the brokenness of the people we love and are connected to by the Holy Spirit, and be conduits of God's grace. Just be open to being used by God in their life. It's a beautiful thing. And if the whole body, like show me a church where this is happening all the time, that's a church I want to be a part of. Yeah. That's a church where I want to minister and serve and be served right mm-hmm. there. Yeah, I, can, I often say I, I can't imagine how people go through the things that human beings go through without a church family around them to support them. Yeah. Wh- whether it's any of these things we've we've covered today, it is so 
much a blessing that God has given us the gift of body life and people around us who care for us that want to support and to love us well in the midst of whatever we are going through and whatever then they are going to go through as well. So just, I thank you for the conversation today. I know we went a little bit longer than usual, but I think it's an important topic and one that we are going to all deal with all the time. As long as we are part of the church, there's going to be people that are hurting and people we can care for. And there's going to be times that we're hurting as well. And I think a conversation like this can also help us to have grace for those who are coming to care for us and maybe don't always say the right things as well on the flip side. So thank you listener for being with us. And until next time, go with grace and peace. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are encouraged and learned something new. Visit oakridgebiblechapel.org to listen to sermons and for more information.